Dude, it's almost the weekend, and you know what I realised? What's that? This, it, it's episode 22. This is the 22nd hour of our voices out there in the ethos causing <laughs> mayhem talking video game malarkey. Yeah, yeah. I lo- uh, that's fantastic. That is a great realisation to have. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> that's a lot of hours. That's like 11 movies. <laughs> <laughs> Both yeah. of our voices. Yeah, that's um, that's a bit confronting to hear, but you are correct. Yeah, that's a lot of time. <laughs> I, I, I was um, at a mate's or an old mate's place last night um, who I used to work with, and mm-hmm. he was like, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, oh, I'm recording a podcast with a friend. And, and I, I realized, like, she asked me what it was, and I was like, we just kind of talk about video games. <laughs> like, I don't I really know how else to describe the show. Uh, yeah and it's funny because like in those earlier episodes we tried to come up with an elevator pitch and we mm, still don't have one we still don't (laughs) have one 22 hours in yeah yeah (laughs) probably more than 22 hours as well like if you add up all of the little extra bits and bobs at the end of all of it it probably equals at least another hour oh god that's like the the deleted scenes you know we don't we don't talk about that they're not in the final cut (laughs) <laughs> Some of our best work is in the final five minutes. Anyway. Yeah, no, you're you're right. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, man? How was your week? Oh, uh, bro, my week was um was pretty pretty not great. I had oh, no. um I had a, a big setback with my health, and oh, like shit. it was it just it just got a bit existential, you know. Like I've been in bed for like eighteen months, mm. and I'm just like seeing spring kind of um springing if you will like the the waddles are bursting into color and i'm just like man this is like a whole another season change that i'm seeing from bed yeah um but as always the distractions have been really good um i've been i've been playing a couple of games mm. i uh i've been playing that into the breach um i've been playing that hunt mm. but, but you played more hunt uh, yeah, I snuck in. I snuck in uh, a quick session with the Twilight oh. Priest. Oh, legendary! Uh, That's awesome. A duo, or do you play with trios? Uh, no, just duos. Um, and it was yeah, it was fun. I I got you know I'm still at that stage where I'm just getting all the buttons together and and everything like that. Um, but like I do want to talk more about Hunt, but um, in 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 a in a more kind of uh entertaining sense, I finished god of war 2018 oh and, hell yeah uh, tell me about that yeah i i think i want to i want to give you the download right so i want to i want to start by doing like the tim rogers straight dope hello you know, hello you know how he does the voice <laughs> yeah. and then he, he does like some really kind of meta conclusion for his review so that's that's how i'm gonna start <clears throat> okay let's hear it Go- <laughs> God of War is more the Night Watch by Rembrandt than the Night Watch by Rembrandt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, I've seen the Night Watch in person, right? Uh-huh. I went, I went to the Rijks Museum in Amsterdam and stood before the colossal beast. Um, I don't exaggerate when I say it takes up like an entire hall. It it totally dominates the space, and like the technical virtuosity on display is astounding. Right. Right. It's just like a, a huge Rembrandt, is that right? It's fucking massive. Yeah, okay. it's it's and huge. For, for and those it's potentially not aware of who Rembrandt is. He's a Renaissance painter, right? Sixteenth um, century or seventeenth century, sorry, Dutch painter. Okay, so probably post Renaissance um, then, I guess. I don't know. I just look at these images and they scream Renaissance to me. But um, I mean, it's just it is it is super like antiquity because like it's just a technical marvel. Right. Um, and that, and that's kind of my point, right? Like I, I kind of felt nothing. I wasn't provoked. I wasn't inspired, no, no goosebumps. And like most noticeably, there was no lasting impression other than the fact that I'd experienced it myself. Okay. And, and so God of War 2018 is Rembrandt's The Night Watch. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a Doom Slayer review, right? Okay. Yep. So what, so what that means is. As I, as I talk about the things, I'm going to talk about the best to the worst things. And um, you just need to imagine the Doom Slayer portrait getting more and more damaged as I, as I talk. 
This is a very, sense. yeah, is, is this like a Portrait of Dorian Gray situation? <laughs> yeah, that's right. When, um, when the portrait dies, I die. Okay. Um, yeah, this episode ends with me dying. We've so far, we've barely hit five minutes and we've already like put so much like, you know, classical art and theater wank into this. It's like so <laughs> front heavy with like university educated malarkey. <laughs> so like um, i feel like we've just isolated everyone <laughs> <laughs> well the i i actually wanted to spend a bit more time on this than i usually do yeah um, when i talk about video games that i'm playing just because it's jt's favorite game okay and I <laughs> you just... want to slam it hard well no i don't want to slam it like it's it's really good i think it's a really good game but like i just i love playing people's favorite games, reading people's favorite books, their favorite movies. Like, I love that shit because, like, I feel like I get a deeper understanding of, like, the kind of things that turn you on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. Um, all right. So, we're going to start at the very top. So, like, the first and the last hour of God of War is the shit. It's yep. got the best boss fight, the best set pieces, the most polished cinematics, all, all, all of those parts of the game happen at the start and at the end. And, like, everything feels super meaningful and the actions of all the characters progress the story. Like, dude, it's an absolute riot. Like, if the game was, like, four hours long and it just had those story beats, I'd be frothing for a replay. Mm, like, yep. I'd, be, I'd be jumping straight back in. Yeah. Um, the, the level design in isolation, I think is really, really good. Like, the mm-hmm. visual puzzle solving, the axe and the chaos blades feel great to use outside of combat. It's just, like, I wanted to uncover secrets just for the joy of uncovering secrets and, like, right. cra- cracking open a chest. But some something I did find is, like, whatever I found didn't really mean anything to me, which is kind of bonkers because usually the easy part is, like, designing the loot, not the way you find it. Whereas in, in this game, I thought, like, the way they designed how you find loot was so satisfying. Like, I could not get enough. Even even when I turned the difficulty to easy and, like, I didn't bother, like, upgrading my weapons or anything like that, I was still trying to find everything just because it was so much fun. Yeah, right. So the, the, the process of finding it was the enjoyable part, not the actual item itself. That totally. Had any meaning to your overall enjoyment of the game. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, the characterization of Kratos, like, I loved his approach to everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's clear from the start this isn't a reboot, it's a sequel. Like, he's the same Kratos that killed Ares and Athena and all those dudes. And, I don't know, I just thought this was really smart. Um, like, same, same, but different, you know? And yeah. I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later, because I think the game does suffer from sequelitis a little bit. Like, I think it it is trying to hang on to those past games a bit too hard. Um, but otherwise, I really liked the um, the character side of, of what they did with Kratos. And, like, making fun of Atreus all the time, like, helps me feel connected to this father figure who was in way over his head. Like, yeah. it was great to see the boy grow and, like, still make mistakes. And, and the way Kratos develops is really compelling as well. Like, he starts off and he's unable to console the boy. Uh-huh. Then then he's, like, sharing a flask of wine with him. And then he's, like, able to properly discipline him when he royally fucks up. Like, yep. that's that's such great character development on both sides, I thought. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I agree. Did, agreed? Yeah, okay, cool. I was, I was wondering what you thought there. I just, yeah, I thought it was pretty great. Um, the world. So I thought the world was like pretty fleshed out and full of character. Like the dwarves are great. Um, you know, like characters with idiosyncrasies are really attractive to me. So like that dwarf that was icky about touching gross things and blood and dirty things. Like I was like, that's great. That's really entertaining. Um, and the lore was good in the world and the set pieces were killer. Like that hub bridge where you can visit other worlds is just straight up fun design, I think. Um, but there was a bit of a missed opportunity for me with like enemy variety and giant reskins and stuff. And like, I'll get into that a bit more when I talk about the combat, but like ultimately exploring the world was, was fucking sick. 
Um, and like the way you navigate in the world and how that plays into exploration, I thought was really satisfying, especially for the way I played the game where, you know, I was just super keen on finding all the secret chests and stuff. Like they had a little compass at the top of the screen and it was really accurate. So like if you were facing, like if there were three pathways and you were facing one pathway, um, it could have the main objective up the top saying, this is the way to go. And as soon as you turn a little bit, that objective stays with that main pathway. Right. And it just it just meant it was really easy for me to tell when I was going down a path for secrets versus when I was going to progress the story. And, like, that was... I, I really enjoyed that because I was just, like, every area I wanted to, to explore the secrets and it just allowed me to do that, like, by paying attention to the t top of the screen for, like, a second. So that was... I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, All nice. right. Where do you, do you, do you want to do you have anything to say before I pummel on? Um, no, I think you've like hit all of the positives pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I thought like in general the like you mentioned set pieces, but I really liked a lot of the cutscenes. Um, mm -hmm, I felt like mm -hmm. the the way that they blended between gameplay and cutscene was pretty cool and pretty graceful. I mean, the one camera we mentioned in the other episode that can become a little bit kind of disorientating or ugly or mm. um, it has its moments of being like, they really should have just like broken the rule here and just like done a cut or like, you know, done something else to the camera instead of just trying to do this one of the whole time. Um, yeah. Well, I, I definitely have some stuff to yeah. say about what so, they did with the camera and the cinematics and stuff because, yeah, yeah I think... I think they committed way too hard. Um, anyway, go on. Tell me tell me the, the, the dark side. All right. So we're taking a bit of damage here. We're going to move on to the story. Um, but, like, I did like how simple the plot was. Like, take Kratos' girlfriend's ashes to the highest peak. Off you go. Yep. Like, you killed John Wick's dog. Bam, three movies kind of yep. deal. Like, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did like that. But personally, dude, I hate the uncommunity uncommunicative character trope like it's a big thing in rom-coms you know where two characters talking for five minutes could actually progress the plot and reconcile any misgivings but they just don't talk mm. for like the whole movie and then they're eventually convinced to say the thing they could have said a hundred years ago <laughs> I, th uh. I think like some of the narrative beats are really sullied by this like, but by the time Kratos is like, boy, I'm from Sparta. Like, I could not give a shit. <laughs> um, like, they've been through so much together by this point, and it was just a big swing and a miss for me. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel like I didn't give spoiler warnings. We're going to spoil the shit out of this. Um, probably should have said that earlier. Anyway, um, I did like how Atreus is actually the son of Kratos. Like... They were hammering home how unlikely this was from the get-go. Like, Atreus is nothing like Kratos. Kratos only calls him boy. And, like, at the very start of the game, a skinny god that's familiar with the house shows up. Mm. And, like, I was kind of surprised when they didn't try to pull off a twist. Like, Kratos was adoptive of Boulder's old fling and the resulting son was Atreus. Like, ev even though Atreus is clearly a Greek name, all the available information wasn't enough to, like, fully convince me that they were kind of, you know, biological father and son. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I liked that, and I liked how they played around with the mythology. Um, you know, the boy ending up being Loki was really cool. Yeah. Um, and, like, Boulder not being beautiful was cool. Like, they, yes. they, they, they just adapted it, um, and it just felt tight the way they did it. Yeah, I, I find, like, sometimes these, like, uh, mythological rehashings can be really, you know, like, uh, what's the word I'm searching for here? Um, just, like, different for the sake of being different, you know? It's like, mm. oh, he's got a new hat. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> see, see, like, there's nothing, like, unique or, like, there's no reason why you would make these changes. But in, in God of War, it seems like they, they did try to, you know, like... Um, there was one character that character I didn't like with regards to this, but maybe you'll you'll get to him in a little bit. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's um, yeah. Overall, I, I felt like that the the adjustments that they made and the way they slotted Kratos into the whole mythology was pretty cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it it just like it felt like the right thing to do, you know, like jump into a different mythology. It it was it was smart. I felt. 
Yes. Well, he'd killed most of the gods in the other one. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're 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 taking a bit more damage on that Doom Slayer portrait. I did. Okay. I did. I I wanted to talk about. I didn't know what else to call it, but like the prestige gameplay, like. You, you tell me if that's the right name for it. Oh, the movie The Prestige? Uh, no, no. Like, um, just uh, just the type of gameplay that, that comes with games that are techni- technically impressive for the time they're released. Right. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, uh, basically everything feels like it's on rails for the sake of consistent animations and, like, everything is so slow for the sake of keeping things cinematic. Right. And it just, like, I don't know, I just found it really annoying, like, you know, two characters talking while you're climbing or whatever, and then, like, you need to go to the next se- section, but you've got to wait for them to finish their dialogue. Yeah. Um, and things like having your actions and walk cycles locked because they want you to play the game in a very specific way. Yeah, like, right. the bit where Atreus gets sick and, like, you're forced to walk at a snail's place... And oh, right, yeah, yeah. It's just like, dude, I, I was trying to sprint that whole time and bash down Freya's door and, like, <laughs> it just, it yeah. felt weird when they built up this character to clearly have anger issues and, like, his son's real sick and then he's just going to walk really slowly to the, you know, the solution. Like, it just yeah. felt really dumb. Yeah. And I think, like, off the back of all these sacrifices for the sake of cinematic flow... Hypocritically, the game shoves all these external menus in your face that aren't in game. Like <laughs> yeah. it's it's super weird because they stress everything around being weighty and immersive, but it's like pick up a certain item, menu, level up, menu, put on new yeah. armor, menu. And it's like you ask the question, right? You're like, but Daz, how can I put on new armor without selecting it in a menu? <laughs> and I look into your eyes and you look away demurely and spring <laughs> feels like it will last forever and I, t- I take your hand in mine and I say have you played Dead Space 2? Because I mean you know there's just so much pressure on the cinematics being the main thing here but they just throw it all away with, mm. with a bunch of other stuff and man I don't know how recently you've played Dead Space 2, but everything you do in that game is part of the world. Like, you know, when you upgrade your suit and all that stuff, like, you do it through a screen that Isaac pushes buttons on. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it still has that cinematic weight, and you're still playing a game. And that that game came out 11 years ago. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, it, it just feels really kind of contorted in that you know the latest greatest cinematic god of war game still can't work something like that out um yeah i I definitely agree with you i think they lean pretty heavily on the like um the systems of the game helping it feel more interesting than it is you know like Mm. the the whole combat and the way that everything flows and plays is kind of like once you do a few encounters it's like that's that's kind of the game you know there's not much Mm. to really do here and Mm. once you master it 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 doesn't become more difficult unless you like really try to make it more difficult with the like harpies and stuff which i don't don't know if you ever messed with but um, yeah yeah yeah, i i i did like a couple um and that and that kind of concerns the pacing right Mm. like it's it's kind of a pseudo open world pseudo metroidvania game and like yep. it it works in its favor until you start talking story beats like i, I did two side quests and one of those valkyrie tombs yeah um you know just to get a taste but like otherwise i only focused on the main story and it feel it still felt like a slog you know like it just it still it, the game went on for so fucking long and it it just did that dumb thing that games do sometimes when they tell a story and i like to call it the endlessly stopping the characters in the form of setbacks is good narrative structure fallacy you know <laughs> like i think it, it was really um it was uh like popularized by alien isolation you know mm. like stories that use this structure just aren't a fun time for me you don't feel like you're progressing you just kind of you're at the whims of some panicking intern who needs to give Kratos a, another reason to fight through five more enemy-packed arenas. And it's yeah, just, yeah. 
it's just like, yeah, I, I don't know. And like, speaking of like, you know, progressing through the game and stuff, like the Call of Duty style objectives, like, I don't know, that just felt really out of place. Like, there's this awesome moment, right? You you sail into the gaping maw of the world serpent, and mm. as and as soon as you get there, all these sounds go off, and it's like area discovered, belly of the beast, <laughs> find Mimi's eye, and I'm like, dude, I'm paying attention. Like the characters are talking about everything we're doing. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't need this, and like, <laughs> speaking of things I don't need, like fucking hell, the combat man, the the combat killed me on this one. So like. We, you you mentioned it a bit, like, everything feels slow and clunky. Moving Kratos through an arena full of enemies is so unsatisfying. Like, yeah. the camera is way too close during combat, and they try to neaten this weird decision by giving you a button that spins Kratos around really quickly. And, like, mm-hmm. they've, they've also got a system which points arrows at off-screen enemies, and it's like, dudes, just just bring the camera back. Allow, Kratos, allow Kratos to actually cover some ground when he dodges or rolls, speed things up a bit. Like, I remember those first God of War games being so much fun when it came to combat. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I remember the, the puzzles being the annoying part of those old God of War games, yeah. and, and now it's kind of reversed for me. Um, like, I, I actually looked up some of that old footage, and they still look fun. Like, yes. they, they, you know, they're fast and arcadey and hectic and... I kind of hate that they left that approach behind um, for this game. Yeah, it, it felt like one of the things that they dropped that they might have been able to hold on to, but it's tonally quite a challenge, you know? Like, they, they were, like, really committed to this, like, close camera, one style cinematic view thing. Mm, and, like, yeah. as a result, like, I think you're 100% right. They, like, hamstrung themselves in combat because now if they even if they wanted to do arcade they couldn't because they're, like, oh, we're, we're stuck to this, like, you know, cinematic style um and if we went arcadey and silly all of a sudden it wouldn't feel like cohesive with the serious tone of the game and so mm, like yeah yeah I, I i agree but it's also like well what, what what else could they have done you know like they fade the screen to black and then cut to like wide angle kratos <laughs> you know god of war 2 style <laughs> like yeah I, I don't know yeah i think I think for me, it's just a bit of like that quote from the, the crypto episode where it just feels like they're creating solutions for problems that don't exist, but even more so, they're creating solutions to problems they created themselves. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it just feels like the, the direction was a bit whack and that they overcommitted to that heavy, slow cinematic feel. Um, and like, what's weird for me is that what doesn't come with that cinematic feel is like paying attention to enemy animations and learning movesets and stuff like it just it doesn't seem to to well it did it just didn't work for me in this game like most of the enemies are this gray and black wash there's Mm. not a lot of variety so unless they're like huge um you know they're they're basically all the same and like the the ogre and giant enemies you know the big enemies like they don't allow you to get up close so you're pigeonholed into fighting them in the exact same way every time they turn up and it's yeah i don't know it's just it's just like overall i found i found the combat to be annoying at best and frustrating at worst so it just it wasn't that satisfying um but i think i think the worst thing about the game and i i realize i realize we've been talking about god of war for 20 minutes i did not i did not intend this like i've just got some dot points here but it's just (laughs) it's all coming out um um, for, for me man the boss fights they were just the worst part of the game like i would have rathered every boss fight to be a cutscene rather than this like cookie cutter halfway between a movie and a video game quick time event right like every time you straddled a boss and the prompt to hit for a light attack and a heavy attack appeared like dude can you imagine if that <laughs> happened in the last of us like yeah. ellie ellie gets on top of david with the cleaver and then everything just stops as the game awkwardly waits around for you to mash r1 <laughs> like it, <laughs> it it would just take all the gravity away from the scenario um yep. And, like, in saying that, uh, and I mentioned it before, the opening fight with Boulder 
And that last fight with Baldy is really good. I do think that they're great. Like the arenas get changed up. His moveset feels fun to work around. And like most of the time it feels like you're playing a video game. It's just like this design philosophy disappears for the 30 hours between the first Baldy fight and the last Baldy fight. Yeah, it, it does. You're 100% right, you know? Like, the moment that first Baldur fight leaves and you're, like, in the world fighting the Draugr's or whatever, it feels like a different game, you know? It feels yeah. like we've gone from, like, really powerful, you know, fighting this other god and, like, losing almost, like, power being mm. ripped away from you in that moment. Yeah. And then being like, okay, now I'll go play some video game. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, here's, yeah. yeah, like you say, like, 30 hours of side quests and, you know, story exposition to, like, get you up the mountain. Yeah. yeah. And then he's the last encounter. Yeah. Yeah. I that's yeah, it's exactly how I felt and like look, ultimately I think it's a good game, but like it suffers from sequelitis and despite all of the quality of life improvements, I think it manages to be less fun than its 17-year-old counterparts. Um and like I'd even go further because you know fun is is something that maybe this game is not trying to be but I'd say it's less entertaining than it than its counterparts as well mm, wow. like it it puts so much emphasis on its own ability to deliver a truly cinematic experience that it's like neither as good as a good film nor as good as a good video game yeah like, totally my feeling is that we're going to see like a lot more games like this where they're super impressive on the day they're released, but like they feel outdated not long after that. And I, I think it's just because some of these like design choices are really old. Like there's got to be a better way than quick time events to properly capture this mel melding of gameplay and cinematics. You know, like I, I don't know what it is and like, I don't know if I've seen a game work it out before, but man, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think like for me, th this game reminded me a lot of Zelda games. I think oh, okay. like, yeah, I think for me, like the Zelda games are a bit better at delivering this style of gameplay experience. You know, the, the big boss fights where you target enemy weak spots and all that kind of thing. Like the few Zelda games I've played that have those moments have been a lot funner um, yeah. to, to play through and, and like beat out. It hasn't really felt like a slog. And I think like on the other side of the coin, Dead Space 2 and, and The Last of Us games far outclass the cinematic chops on display here. Um, and, and for me, like the main reason for that is almost just because how much effort those games put into everything being in world, you know, Joel's backpack the yeah. pills for the RPG stuff. And then like, obviously everything in Dead Space 2 is, is in world. Um, and so, yeah, like I'm, I'm glad I played it, but uh, just like the Night Watch, I, I won't be shouting its achievements from the highest mountain in Jotunheim. <laughs> wow. What a review. Look at that. Look at you doing YouTube reviews. Oh uh, my god, that went way over time. Like I, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about God of War for maybe you know five, ten minutes. Like yeah. I've, I've got some thoughts that I just want to get down. Holy shit! I'm so sorry, everyone. Or <laughs> I'm hope you're glad if you like listening to me talk about God of War. <laughs> Holy um, shit! So a couple of things. Um, I'm good. I had a good week too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm really uh, glad to hear that. <laughs> the second thing, uh, I I think what you said before about the way that God of War uh, sort of gets in its own way in terms of like, um, how did you put it? The way that we talk, talked in the crypto episode about solving a problem for something that um, they created the uh, solving making a solution for something that they had a problem that they invented with. Yeah, yeah. So I slaughtered that, but um, you know, the, the, I, I think that's a lot of modern video games these days like i think right i think once once a game gets sort of so far along in development and it's like you know n not fun you sort of have this pro like you you have to solve that that problem and and a lot of the time a lot of the stuff that you've already made is so far along in production that you can't, either can't drop it or if you do drop it you've got to like completely can the whole project and do a new mm, thing and yeah, so like yeah, yeah it becomes this like ouroboros of like um creating little little s s solutions to problems that you, you know thousands of little problems that you've accidentally created along the way mm, um yeah yeah and that it's so hard to be like cognizant of that as you're making the game in the first place because you're like 
this is fun. This is cool. You know, everyone around you around you is having a good time with it. And then it right. sort of like turn, turns this weird corner where it's like, this is actually not fun anymore. It's like, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and by that point, it's really, it's really weird. It's got like the artist thing of like, you've been working on a painting for like, you know, weeks at this point and you don't know if it looks good anymore. Same with animation. Mm. Like you'd be working mm -hmm. on a shot for weeks and you're like, I have no idea what this looks like anymore. Like you need external eyes to say, yeah, this is good or this is bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's a real, it's a real tricky thing. Um, and I think it could have been uh, remediated a little bit by having it be shorter. Um, I think your like original idea is if this was like you know three or four, or five, maybe five hours long, it would it would be a way more enjoyable experience. I think if they had a shot for that, I it would have been way less of a problem. Yeah, because um, you wouldn't have had to invent all of these menus and systems to like you know prolong the life of the game and make it more interesting outside of combat. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway. Uh, I've been playing. <laughs> I've yeah, been let's playing. let's let's change gears. I want to yeah. I want to hear you talk for a little bit. <laughs> uh, I've been playing Hollow Knight. <laughs> oh no way! Oh Jesus! Yeah. Oh Jesus! Okay, all right. So I dropped I dropped my original twenty two hour save where I was quite far along and I started again because I was like I don't remember where anything is. I don't yeah, know what no. any buttons do. I'm just gonna start again. This is the way. Yeah. And uh, I've been loving it. It's really nice to go in with like a little bit of knowledge, but not really remembering anything properly. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. I, I know like how, you know, um, I should, should kind of save my geo for specific things or like yeah, yeah. You know, how the enemy's behavior works. Most of them anyway. Yeah. Um, I got up to the uh, three Mantis Queens at that, oh. that boss fight yeah pretty, pretty quick i felt like i don't know i sort of felt like i was running there pretty quick hell yeah how good is and, the music for that boss fight yeah i mean all of the music is great i was playing it with headphones on the train the other day and i was like this all these are bops mm, hell yeah so yeah that's been that's been pretty pretty slick bro i i'm playing i played jt's favorite game you're playing my favorite game if if y'all have favorite games out there you should <laughs> you should email us because i love playing people's favorite games yes yes excellent um, and I've been playing a bit of Hunt, and um, uh, Cult of the Lamb just came out, which is the first piece of the three-piece feed for this week. Oh, shit. Um, I actually was supposed to put it third, but I'll put it first. So, Cult of the Lamb came out. This is a Australian-developed game. Um, oh. Small team, three or four folks. One of my, oh, cool. one of my mates from when I was back at the arcade freelancing, Julian, is heading mm -hmm. up the direction of the game, and... Uh, it's published by Devolver Digital and it's been doing amazingly. Um, it's the second most successful release that Devolver's ever had. Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, second only to Fall Guys um, in no terms of numbers shit. on release. Dude, yeah. congrats to them. That's huge. Yeah, huge. They've been working on that game for so long. I remember, I remember seeing this game when it was like in prototype stage, like, you know, boxes and like sprites just, you know, barely there. The concept right. for the game was barely there. I just saw it on a laptop screen for like 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, uh, I was like, oh, it looks cool. And then little little do I know, it's like, you know, 78,000 people are watching it being streamed on Twitch. Um, Fuck. It's just doing, doing huge numbers. Um, and they built a, a Twitch extension for it. So you can like name your viewers, uh, sorry, name your villagers in, in, in the game after viewers who are watching your stream. Oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. So what kind of game is it? Um, it's sort of a little bit like Binding of Isaac meets Animal Crossing. Holy shit. That, <laughs> so that like immediately a... sounds very attractive. Yeah. It's sort of like a roguelike style, you know, dungeon crawler. Um, and you have a, a village that you return to with, I guess, like the villages are folks that you rescue on your dungeon crawls. I'm not 100% sure about that. I haven't, I haven't played it properly yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, you have you're like a cult, a, a lamb, and you have a cult, and you sort of do these rituals and power up, and you earn, um, you know, what would you call it, worship a favor, and that's that's like your currency for the game. Dude, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks fantastic. It's really quite a pretty game. Um, they really took the art style right to the the end of the road. You know, when games like really push in one direction on a particular art style, and they like they do it mm -hmm. so good that it's like this is. This is kind of the best example of this that's around there, right? That's around right now. So wow, yeah, very impressed with what the the team has done over at Massive Monster, and congrats to them for a, a massive release. 
Hell yeah. So cool. Um, Kirby, oh, this is the next piece of news. Kirby has a new game announced coming out next week called Kirby's Dream Buffet. What the fuck? Yes. Wow. Okay. Is I feel like a Kirby game just came out for the it Switch. It did. Yeah, it did. I really want to play it, actually. The the one that came out a little while ago. What was it called? Kirby's... It was like a post-apocalyptic Kirby game. It was very yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, Dream, Dream Buffet is the one that's coming out next week. And it looks mm-hmm. like a racing slash obstacle course game, sort of like Fall Guys. So you play as a Kirby against three other Kirbys and you uh, race through an obstacle course eating strawberries. And the person who gets the fattest wins. Um, wow. Send you a picture wow. of, of a couple screenshots from it. I'm I'm loving the games in this three piece feed so far. They yeah, yeah. Are really um, unique. There you go. Chat, you've got some pictures. There's a oh Kirby God. way in, and I love how the fat Kirby looks so happy. Yeah, it's very colourful, everyone. Yeah. It's uh extremely colourful and there's a lot of cake and shit everywhere. So yeah. it, it really is about becoming the fattest being you can manage to become. It's extremely dessert themed, this game. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to check that out, actually. I don't know who I'll play it with ever. I don't, I don't know. But one day. Um, cool. And the final piece of news is we got another Chainsaw Man trailer, and I'm so hyped <laughs> for Chainsaw oh, sick. Man. Sick. Um, I've been reading the manga. I've been going to a little comic book around the corner from my work and picking up a new issue every so often. And uh, yeah. Hell yeah. It's a good time. Sick. And that's, yeah. that's the three-piece feed. Oh, huge feed. Um, loved it. Loved it. I feel like we've been a couple of weeks without it, and now that it's back, I'm I'm sated. Good. Yes, I'm glad. I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the three piece feed. I I gotta remember to <laughs> to prepare for it. I actually, gotta get in the car and drive to the KFC. <laughs> Other oh, weeks, I've just God. been scrambling and finding what's left over in the bottom of the fridge. But this this time, I actually there and found. Plus, there's yeah. stuff happening. You know, games releasing. Yeah, that's good. It's it's fun to talk about when there are fun things to talk about. <laughs> totally. Um, so <laughs> we have a topic. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, this 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 week is uh this is going to be a quick topic. I reckon it's I think it's the perfect topic for the remaining minutes that we have on this episode. Hell yeah! Shout out to Twilight Priest for sending this one in. That's right. It's the hype culture. I believe he actually called it the hype beast in his email. I like that. The hype yeah. beast. The beast, as, because it is a beast. Yeah, the, the zeitgeist has been, like, personified as a beast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, maybe we can just start off. Uh, I don't really know where to begin. I've written down a few things here. Like, what, what do you think hype is exactly? Yeah, so, like, this this is a topic I'm, I'm keen for kind of both of us to come at because I I haven't been hyped for a video game for, like, you know, following the release and watching trailers and that, like, you know, I didn't even watch trailers for Elden Ring. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's something that I haven't really dabbled in for a really long time. Um, But ultimately, I think hype is just marketing psychology, right? Mm. So, like, it, it, it plays on people's fear of missing out. And, like, I, I think there's, um, there's like the hype that you experience as a person and the hype that like people experience as a group. And I, I think the hype that people experience individually um, can be really fun and can be really important. And like, I'm, while I really kind of disagree with a lot of the things that hype means practically, you know, like pre-ordering games and having studios get vertical slices together before they're ready and all this kind of stuff that I don't agree with. Ultimately, I think it can be fun to be excited for a game, you know, and like, I I wouldn't want to take that away from anyone, you know, like when, when Animal Crossing was coming out, my partner was super excited. Um, and you know, it's just because it was coming out and it had a release date. I don't, I don't know if they'd seen any um, trailers or whatever. It's just the fact that there was like a new Animal Crossing. And yeah. like, I, I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool to be excited for video games. But like, 
when hype becomes like a culture around pre-ordering or like arguing on the internet like this game doesn't look as good as it should and you know you you're wasting your time being excited for for this kind of game you know it kind of goes back to that david jaffe quote where he's like if you think this is acceptable then you're a fucking idiot (laughs) like attacking the people playing the game rather than the game which is just the dumbest fucking shit ever it's a very gamer (laughs) <laughs> gamer mentality yeah uh yeah so yeah i i think um i think hype can be good in isolation but i think ultimately it it's just like you know it's it's about pumping out trailers and engaging communities in kind of predatory ways like in in what other avenue of life do you pre-order right. products yes before you get them I know. It's very strange. I'm, I was trying to figure out where that sort of originated, you know, like, right. what's the deal with how specifically like AAA video games do like the pre-order bonuses, you know, like mm-hmm. there's no other, like you say, there's no, like you, you don't pre-order a book and get like, you know, figurine <laughs> <laughs> or like pre-order your ticket to go to a movie and get like a, a bonus 10 minutes at the start or whatever, you know, like that's kind of the equivalent of what video games are doing. And I was trying to like work out like, how did this begin? And I, I didn't find anything official, but just sort of thinking on it, I think um, the whole, uh, what's it, what do you call them? Um, conference like E3 mm-hmm. and like um, Gamescom and TGS and all that sort of stuff really helps hype. And um, that sort of, that's that culture of like, you're going to want to, you know, get your orders in now style thing is really like perpetuated by that. So it's been interesting to see as like E3 kind of dies and other Mm -hmm. game shows rise up in their place. Mm -hmm. Um, And like uh, publishers and developers seem to be doing less of large shows and doing their own individual, you know, like Nintendo does Nintendo Direct Mm, and they don't even do any game shows anymore. They're just like, they do their own thing. Um, And, you know, other, other studios like Riot, they don't really show up in any trailers or anything like that. It's just like they do their own thing. Same with other, other sort of larger studios. It's only, mm-hmm. it's only like, it seems like there's a bunch of indies that are getting slotted in under these, these, um, these large conferences now. And it's kind of the triple A's. So there's no, there's no middle ground boys <laughs> around yeah. anymore. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I agree. And I think like you know, those conferences basically came from a desire for shareholders to see what their money was doing, you Mm. know, like very rarely are those conferences for the 14 year old gamer that can't wait to play the next Mario game. (laughs) It's it's about getting, getting dollars and, and making rich people richer. And I think ultimately what that looks like for the average gamer is just like endless advertisements and, you know, one one thing that I stay subscribed to just as a bit of a case study is like the EB Games newsletter, which, right. <laughs> which if you're not um, in Australia, is basically Australia's biggest um, game store, like video game store. Um, and every week they send out an email and it's like, this is what's coming out this week. And just the amount of video game related garbage is mm. insane. Like... There's absolutely no shame when it comes to selling you like everything they could possibly think of to sell you. And like, it, it just, it, it, it blows me away. And like, that's, that, that kind of ties into this, this hype beast, right? It's like pre-order the video game and like get a pink gun skin and the figurines are going to come out at the same time. You should pre-order those as well. And it's just like, I think... I think ultimately my change from someone who was excited all the time for the new video game, you know, back, back in 2013, 2014, 2015, like I pre-ordered games, played them on release. Um, and I haven't done that since 2015. And man, I got to say my time playing video games is so much better now. Like I'm, I'm playing games a couple of years after they come out, everything is patched. 
the game is like $10 instead of $80. <laughs> yeah. And and I've got no expectations because I'm yeah. not I'm not fueled by like this hype machine of trailers and everyone being like this is going to be the best game ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's just it's just a way nicer experience to play video games like this. I definitely think you've got it figured out. Um there's part of me that's like that that should be a a way of consuming like th this needs a name you know <laughs> this this behavior needs to be like you know quantified and named <laughs> <'Cause> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it seems it seems to be uh, you know it seems to be quite good um one of the things that you mentioned before about animal crossing which i i thought had a genius marketing lead up was the music from animal crossing they did like oh, this yeah. In the trailers, they always started off their trailers with da 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 da, da and it was like oh, such yeah. a soothing little melody, and it like immediately, and they like played some um, beach ambience, you know, like the sound of like waves lapping up on sand. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was such a vibe. Like they really captured that. Like this game will take you to an island feeling. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and that melody specifically felt like you were just getting on a little you know, a little dirigible plane or whatever and flying to, like, it was so uh, beautifully put together. And I think other games that do that, um, one that, that we mentioned earlier, Cult of the Lamb actually had an amazing um, marketing lead up. Oh, yeah. They did a fantastic job. So they had two uh, 2D animated trailers. Mm -hmm. So they didn't show any gameplay. They just had a trailer uh, that mm -hmm. was, like, animated lovingly in 2D. And it was sort of like the Hades trailer. Do you remember the Hades 2D animated trailer? Oh, I, I don't know if I saw okay. it. Maybe I did. If, if I did, I don't remember it. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of other games that did 2D animation trailers. Um, but yeah, it's it, it sort of like got the, the word out there in a, in a way that I think is good because with this whole hype thing, hmm. oftentimes what, what hypes people up, and we've talked about this before with like Anthem and, you know, Fallout 76 and stuff like that. Is, and yeah. I've got at the bottom of the list here, Aliens, Colonial Marines. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> is like some gameplay, you know, like some early build, early, you know, dev gameplay that's like captured in a really specific setting where like it's on a high quality machine or it's been doctored in, in some way. And it like yep. negatively serves to you know, falsely promise and build hype in, in, you know, like, so what I'm getting at is there's kind of like two different ways at least that you can, that you can hype up a video game. Mm -hmm. And I think like one of those ways is like with a nice cute little trailer <laughs> or in animal crossings case, selling a, a feeling. Mm, um, yeah. And yeah. then the other way is, you know, the negative way in my opinion, which is like, here is, what this game is, boys, you know, come and get it. It's going to look just like this on release. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. it looks impossibly good. It doesn't make sense as to why it could be ever so good. And then maybe the other way as well, the, the other negative way is the Peter Molyneux way. Do you remember Fable? The first Fable? Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I, I'm interested in this, right? So just mm. to just to uh, open the veil and see behind the curtain a little bit, um, Joe's, Joe's got a, a listed a bunch of games here that were overhyped prior to release. Um, and I saw Fable and like, I, I didn't know anything about Fable before I played it, but man, as a kid, I loved that game. Like yeah. it I loved good. it. Yeah. So I'm really, I, I don't know anything about the marketing though. So, so what was the story? So Peter Molyneux is sort of like, he, he became this like pariah in the video game space because he always over-promised things in the games. Oh no. So, right. Yeah, he, he, um, I mean, originally it was Will Wright. So, do you know Will Wright, the maker of The Sims? Oh, okay. Yep. I mean, yeah. I, di I didn't know him by name, but yep, sure. Yeah. He, he had this game coming out, um, called Spore. Oh, S yes. I loved Spore too. <laughs> so, Spore had this incredible initial trailer where like right. it was kind of gory like you could eat other animals and like there was blood and like the way that you evolved actually seemed to actually have like you know purpose based on what your character was doing and like it actually looked really cool right. um compared to the game that we got and so that oh. was i think one of the first instances of like this like you know trailer being mismanaged and and then you know the product that you ended up getting wasn't wasn't a match mm -hmm. yeah. but you love sport oh my god so 
I mean, I have beaten Spore all the way to the end multiple times. Wow. I loved Spore so much. And I thought (laughs) it was just... I mean, I obviously, again, didn't know anything about it when I played it. And, like, you know, Fable and Spore, I, I played around the time they came out. But, like, you know, back then you had to read about it in magazines or like, I, I don't know, I just don't remember visiting video game sites back then. Yeah. A- any, anyway, Spore came out and, and me and my buddy Rob would just play for hours and like, I loved all the phases, like the primordial yeah. phase and then like coming onto land and then like, you know, building a tribe and then a yeah. city, and then taking yeah. off into space and terraforming planets. Like, yeah. I thought every phase of that game was fucking awesome. And, like, <laughs> you know, I was, like, 15 or something when it came out. Um, so, I don't, I don't know if, if that remains true, but I remember having an absolute blast with Spore. I can, I can totally imagine you and Rob playing Spore together. That's, like, such a clear <laughs> thing in my mind that I can see, you know, sitting at, like, the, the family computer with, like, a couple of, like, chairs from the dining room table just like oh my god that's that's more accurate than you know (laughs) (laughs) i know because i was doing the same stuff um so yeah so so anyway that was kind of the one of the first instances of like you know video games promising stuff um in the trailer or like some early gameplay that didn't match up and then fable came along and this wasn't so much a trailer thing although it did become that later but Mm -hmm. um originally he, not the Peter Mullen. Yeah, Peter Mullen. was like promising all of these things. You know, he'd be like, "You could have this dog," and the way that he talked was very specific. You'd have this dog who, if you throw the ball off the cliff and he chases it and he dies, that's it. The the dog is dead for the rest of the game. You know, like <laughs> that he, he like right, had all okay. of these like you know, uh, very um, vivid imagination <laughs> style things where like. Mm-hmm. You can you can just tell that the actual designers and programmers listening were like Peter, stop it, stop it, shut up, right? Yeah, we can't yeah. do these things. <laughs> um, and and so yeah, he did that with Fable One, and he also did that with Fable Two. You know, saying you can marry anyone in the game, and I mean, like a lot of this stuff ended up sort of being there in some in some way, but it, mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't ever exactly as he said it was. Uh, right. Yep. Uh, and and then I don't know if if you remember this, but Milo, do you remember Project Milo? Bro, that that rings zero bells. Okay, so this was around the time shortly after Fable Two and stuff, where like uh, E3 was really popping off. Right. Um, the Xbox 360 was in full swing. Um, yep. And the micro though the Xbox Connect just came out. Do oh, you remember the Connect? Oh, yeah, I mean. Again, this is a console generation that I missed when it was happening. But, oh, that's right. Yeah. But like, I, I, you know, I, I know what the Kinect is. Like, it's yeah. a peripheral that allows you to play like Dance Dance Revolution. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's sort of like the PlayStation I, but a little bit more advanced. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It's it's basically what uh, most iPhone 10 Pluses have in them these days, which is like a, a two cameras that like are angled very specifically in order to capture depth. So oh, it, would ca- okay. it would capture, yeah. And it would like have some image recognition software in there as well. So like capture where your hands were and what your body was doing. And so right. um, Peter Molyneux made this demo, um, <laughs> which was very strange. He had like a kid up on stage um, and I can't remember all of the details, but it was like, you could have a, it was sort of like a Tamagotchi. It was like boy simulator. And so you'd go into like this little, wooded glen and mm-hmm. uh, a boy would appear <laughs> his name was okay. milo <laughs> oh, God. and you could like you know shake hands with him and, and play games with him and like you know give him different clothing and it, it was very strange after this i'll send you a trailer um of, yeah I'm very curious and he also had like a dog as well and you could like play with it. i don't know what it was with peter molyneux and like having dogs in video games but <laughs> he loved them um and so yeah that was like it ended up getting canned and never came out like it was just such a a non-starter because i think the tech wasn't there at the time probably still isn't there it was just so bizarre (laughs) Um, yeah so there there seems to be this trend right of uh video game developers or like marketing people just straight up lying to consumers 
so so that that's you know and more recently we saw that with no man's sky you Mm -hmm. know sean who has absolutely redeemed himself you know credit where credit is due but initially you know that dude was on conan o'brien and shit being like you can you can run into other players and they'll be multiplayer Uh, yes (laughs) yeah just like straight up not the truth um and like to a more diluted extent like cyberpunk 2077 you know they they had that 50 minute vertical slice come out like i don't know two years before the game came out and that that thing is way more polished than anything i've seen of that game yeah um and and like yeah ultimately there there just doesn't seem to be anything substantial to reward consumers for playing video games when they come out like and and it it goes all the way down to like review embargoes you know some studios won't let um journalists post reviews of their game until the day of release and it's just like when you're treated like this what is it that makes you want to play a game when it comes out like except for like a few indie darlings where like they get to directly communicate with the audience and the game comes out and it's like $20. Yeah. I I just can't I can't convince myself that buying a triple A game on release is a good idea. Yeah, it's it, it's it, I think you're right. I think um we're actually seeing kind of that die off a little bit maybe like with mm-hmm. stray doing really well being you know 30 dollars game and cult of the lamb releasing and doing really well and being a 30 dollars game yeah um i think it's happening more and more we're seeing these sort of like the, like you said the indie darlings the the <laughs> small to medium-sized studios coming up and releasing non-premium sized and costing products and doing mm. extremely well yeah and having like uh you know there's there's no real pre-order bonus you know like if you want to pay a bit extra you can get the soundtrack in in cult of the lambs example but obviously the soundtrack's just going to be on youtube somewhere so like (laughs) it's literally just do you want to support the devs that's kind of the that's kind of the purchase yeah Um, and and i think actually dude i think i think you've hit on a really important point there because if video games is something that you're passionate about like that can feel really important to you to directly support the devs um, and you know, that's kind of how I feel about beer. Like I like yeah, to right. buy beer directly from breweries and, and like I get it shipped straight from the brewery off their website. And like, I feel like supporting devs, especially on PC, I think it's a lot harder to do on console because you have to go through a store owned by PlayStation. Yeah. But, yep. but like in, in the case of like Cult of the Lamb or whatever, like buying directly from the dev or through a humble bundle or whatever like i think i think that can feel meaningful to people who are passionate about video games yep yep i agree um i mean what else is there to say about the hype beast (laughs) Uh... much else you got anything else because we have an email here oh sick we do oh god um uh i guess i guess the one thing I will ask to our listeners is has, you know, does being hyped for a video game, getting it on release day and playing it and it being awesome, make the experience better than if you waited a couple of years, came across the video game and it's just as awesome? Like, I, I, again, I'm just coming from this neutral perspective where I'm like, what is there, like, where's the benefit in in buying video games when they come out, aside from supporting the the devs, which I think is solid. Um, it, yeah. it just it just seems like, man, wait a couple of years, there's like two hundred thousand games you can play released over the last forty years. Like, you'll find something to do while the yeah. game that just came out yesterday, kind of ages for a bit, gets patched multiplayer will probably get added which seems to be a big trend um yeah it just seems like wait wait it out bros unless you're supporting that that crispy super giant paycheck which i will continue to do um 
Yeah, and by Supergiant Paycheck, I mean Supergiant Games and their paycheck. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think I think that's it. That was that was fun though. As uh, short and sweet, but I like that topic. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, the the my answer to that question is uh, there's a little bit of this. Maybe it's just because of the circles that I move in, but the social mm-hmm. aspect of being able to talk about the game as it's mm-hmm. released. Um, it's it's not it's not a huge part of it, but I definitely think it is part of it. So you can yeah. be like, have you played XYZ recent game that's come out and have an opinion on it and know sort of like the ins and outs of whether it was actually a good game or not based on all of the hype. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's part of it for me. And there's also like the midnight launch, which I think is sort of a li- gone a little bit by the wayside these days. There's n- not too many midnight launches these days, but mm. um, yeah, I- I've been to a couple. I went I went to the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 midnight launch. <laughs> oh my God. That's like peak Dorito. Yeah, oh, it was. Man. It was Hell very yeah. nerdy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was working like night shift or something at the time. And so, oh, wait, no, it must have been afternoon shift because, yeah, I, I rocked up after work and um, it was just kicking off. Uh, and then the other one I went to was the Metal Gear Solid Five Midnight Launch, which was also very nerdy. Um, wow. And yeah, not at all worth it. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, shall I, shall I have a read of this email? Yeah, look, I mean, let's change it up. I feel like, I, you know, I usually read the emails, but I did so much talking at the start of this podcast. I think, I think let's tune into your <laughs> sultry tones. My dulcet noises. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this email comes from superfan friend of the pod, Jim. Hell yeah. He just sent it in right as we started recording. Oh my God. Live. This is, this, how's that? We, we, a live email during recording. I like I know. that you checked. I, I did not have that thought. It's almost like a Twitch chat. Like he's just like chatting to us while we're live. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jim writes in with the topic of five bags of popcorn, <laughs> which is a uh, at the, at, uh, on cinema <laughs> reference, which I spoke uh-huh. about the other week. Uh-huh. My alarm sounds as the sun cracks through my curtains, brain dead and half asleep. I reach from my phone, suddenly shocked and sobered into wakefulness Am I still dreaming, I think to myself, as my phone glares back at me in the dark, displaying today's date as Friday, all caps. <laughs> this can only mean one thing. It's almost the weekend. Hell yeah. <laughs> Another stellar run of episodes, lads. Upon leaving a five-star review of the pod, it occurred to me that I haven't yet heard of my two favorite pro gamers open their wet little mouths <laughs> to talk about the topic of video game reviews. Oh, okay. Okay. I would love a deep dive on the evolution of the style, uh, the format, and how reviews have influenced the direction of game production over the years. Mm. Uh, bonus question. Have either of you in, ever enjoyed a game that is typically considered average or bad? Much love to you all, Jim. Damn. That, I mean, great topic and a good question. Have I enjoyed a game that's considered bad. Spore? Is Spore considered bad? Because I love uh, Spore. <laughs> I, I, I would consider Spore average. I wouldn't say bad. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. What's an example of a bad game? I mean, honestly, I don't I don't play that many bad games, right? Mm-hmm. Like Oh, you know what? Oh, wait, no, we we didn't enjoy it. The Alien Isolation. No, no, no. I, I, isolation, yeah. Oh, I didn't enjoy it, but we played it. And then um, what was the other Alien game? Colonial Marines. Yeah, I mean, we finished that game, but mm. we that game was terrible. Like, yeah, we didn't it, enjoy it. No, but it was $4 and mm. we shared a bottle of vodka. So, like, I had a really good time. Yeah, but... it was enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, but it was not a good game. Um... Yeah, I don't know, Jim. Let us know if there is a game that you have enjoyed that is considered to be a bad game. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really tricky one. Yeah, I guess, I mean, more recently for me, that game Rogue Lords, like... Oh, yeah. I I did enjoy my brief stint with that game, but, like, there's... Like, the programming is broken and, like, there are some design decisions for the combat, which is bad and, like... Yeah, I don't think that's considered to be a good game, but like, you know, it's it's pretty small fry. Like I bet if you looked on Metacritic or something, it'd have like 10 reviews, you know. Mm. So like 
that game barely exists. <laughs> but, like, you know, I thought it had some redeemable parts. Yeah, there's one I will say that I find quite... It's kind of the inverse of your question. There's a game called... Um, oh, no. I've lo- oh, there it is. Phasmophobia. Um, oh, that's the, that's the, like, co-op horror game, right? Yeah, so it's like a ghost hunting game with you and three other friends. You can go into these... Um, encounters and they're all in different locations and you have to do a set number of tasks it's like throw the crucifix at the ghost while it's haunting you or like Mm. take a picture of the ghost all sorts of stuff right um and i cannot stand that video game i think oh really i think it's terrible yeah it's it's i think it's fundamentally an awful game and i don't know why so many people enjoy it so much oh my (laughs) god i've never had a a good time playing it (laughs) i've never had a good time watching anyone play it i just think it's it's just ugly and bad (laughs) (laughs) oh well i can't i can't contribute but i i know that it's a co-op horror game and that's enough to get me excited but uh that doesn't sound like a very good time oh speaking of horror a mortician uh yeah mortician's assistant i think is what it's called came out this week which is sort of a little bag chip and that's a horror game that's been um that's had like a little bit of early access demo stuff happening okay we talked about it a while ago it's it looks like a fantastic horror game and, and we used to play horror games every week so yeah um yeah keep your eyes out for for that one day hell yeah yeah, I'm. I I feel like, um, you know, we talked about things in vogue a long time ago, like samurais and zombies and all kinds of stuff. And I feel like horrors kind of, you know, it it might be in vogue. I, I feel like earlier this year, one of your three piece feeds was just horror games, and yeah. I I love that idea. Yep, yep. There's definitely like a dark, uh, dark tidings are upon us, and we're we're looking to get through <laughs> through the dark tidings with these uh, dark tiding video games right like uh yeah it's always cool to see how like culture reflects the history of what's been going on i think like all these horror games coming out is is really um you know not a coincidence <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah hell anyway. yeah cool well well thanks thanks for that email jim we'll definitely smash that topic that's a really good one if uh, you want to send us a topic or you've got a favourite video game that you would like us to play, you can email us at itsalmosttheweekendpod at gmail.com. Have you uh, got any closing statements, Jotal? Um, no. I will just say try not to feed the hype beast if you don't, can avoid it. Don't feed the hype beast, people. The, the hype beast is bloated as it is. It needs to mm. go on a diet. That's right. Um, but since all of our listeners are not partaking in feeding the hype beast, we hope you have a lovely weekend. And we'll see you next time. It's almost the weekend. All right, bye. Bye.